from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello and welcome to this week's Wow Report. I'm Fernand Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined by Tom Campbell, our chief creative officer. And here, in spite of many physical ailments, stomachache, backache, your ankle, James St. James. I'm falling apart. I don't know if I'll make it through the podcast. All you have to do is just sit there. As long as nothing happens to your head, as long as it doesn't explode. Uh, oh, my head, uh, not too well. <laughs> I'm sorry. Feel better. This will cheer you up. Maybe. Probably not, actually. Um, we're doing a countdown of the top 10 things that made us go, wow, what a week it's been. 17 days to the election. Everybody vote, of course. But let's start off number 10. Tom. Number 10. You want to know what made me go wow this week? I went to Runyon Canyon for the first time since March, my favorite place to hike, with my mask, with my hiking partner, Michael, on, I think, Sunday, Saturday at 9 a.m. A little late for us, but we got a late start. And it was packed. Okay, everyone's invited to public space. But I would say easily 30% of the people either were not wearing masks or had them like below their chin. Oh, that drives me crazy. I have been kind of a recluse during this whole pandemic. I've either been on, uh, I was in production on something that was very COVID safe or I've been home. But I am blown away by how unsafe everyone is. And then it enters my mind and I can't make it leave. It's like that game, like don't step on a crack, you break your mother's back on the sidewalk. Right. Because what I did, on I, I turned around and left because people are tailing and running and spitting and what's in their mind that they come to a public place and think like I'm the one that doesn't need to wear a mask because it's not for them, it's for me. So we ended up walking on the street. It was better. You could see people coming, you could, you know, and then on, uh, 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 I went down Sunset Boulevard on Sunday. It's a long walk to Beverly Hills, better than Runyon. But still, like, who are the people who think it's okay not to wear a mask? And then last night, my poor friend Scott came to pick me up, and we walked around our neighborhood in West Hollywood. And he was like, first of all, he was like, why are you walking so slow? And I looked at him and I said, um, as in between us, I said, six feet. He's like, oh, even between us? And I'm like, yes. And we're both wearing masks. And then, so I'm always like trying to avoid him and stop when he stops and step out in the middle of traffic. And then I'm just obsessed with all the people, old, young, under the nose, just dashing through the car. There's no excuse to wear a mask. And then I came home to watch um, CNN outside of one of Trump's, I think the Florida, um, uh, you know, super spreader event. And there are people being interviewed who are just... I don't know how to say it. I think the French call it so fucking stupid. Or <laughs> they're like, would you wear a mask if the president told you to? Yes, I would, said the lady with an umbrella hat. Or others just saying, you know, you know, if I'm going to get the COVID, I'm not going to die from it because I take care of myself. Or if I do die from it, it's Jesus's will. Well, if you are covered in the blood of Christ is what they say. That is that is what the evangelicals say. They will not get sick because they're covered in the blood of Christ. They also see uh, wearing a mask as interfering with God's beautiful breathing mechanism. That's what yeah. someone said at a Palm Beach County hearing. It's Another like guy, who I'm so embarrassed for him, was like, you know, well, you know, because people get that carbon dioxide and they, they fall over and sometimes they die. And the guy goes, really? And he's like, well, it's happened enough. 
And he goes, where do you get your information? He goes, common sense. <laughs> so it's just like, it's just sad people that normally I would cover for and try to make them look smarter than they are. And now I feel like I'm being wildly victimized by them. Tom, I think this is the theme of this show is that we are finally hitting the underground philosophical underpinnings of all this stuff. We've reached, we've reached a point where we've sort of gone through all the reactions and I'm fed up with Trump and this and that. We're now reaching existential philosophical bedrock. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Right? You know, the one that gets me, the one that pisses me off the most is uh, when you go to the grocery store, I go to Ralph's on La Brea and 3rd, and everybody in the grocery store is wearing the mask. The minute they walk out the door, it's down. And there's like a hundred people within ten feet of each other, all without a mask on. Like, why would you go? Why would you go through all of that and then walk outside in a parking lot with people and take the mask off? I'm also as insane as I sound. I'm not really insane because I understand it's all about minimizing risk, not eliminating it. But they say mask to mask. The idea of transmission is so minute. So I just don't understand people why they're so non-compliant and. Um, Anyway, that's I am just I am amazed as I try to re-enter the world how crazy. So my new thing is to look for the most desolate streets in Beverly Hills to go uh, walking with my mask on. I, I have a, a slight question for you guys because this later this week I will be getting on a plane for the first time in seven months. And I will be wearing a mask. I will be wearing a face shield. I'm going to see if I can maybe I should put on diapers so I can poop and peep him without having to go to the bathroom. I don't think that's really, no, that's, I don't think that's the answer, but I do think maybe a, a Naomi Campbell hazmat suit. <laughs> is, I mean, I, and I, I might even go, I have goggles if you want a pair of goggles, just because, you know, why you don't want it coming in the sideways. Right. <laughs> good HEPA filters on planes. Again, wash your hands, wear your mask. I think people will be compliant. I hear they're not too full. So I, I wish you right. good health. And for the maskless who want to look fashionable, we've got some lovely masks at the WOW store, uh, store.worldofwonder.net. I was going to make one that said, um, you are not welcome to my face. <laughs> James, that's a great idea. We must do it. All right, let's move on. Wear a mask. Number nine, James. Number nine. Number nine. I don't know if you watched uh, Saturday Night Live this past week. It was uh, Bill Burr, who is not the attorney general. He is a comedian, and I am not really up on my straight white male comedians. I had never really heard of this guy before, but he was in King of Staten Island which with the Pete Davidson movie. So I was a little bit aware of him, but I had never seen him do stand-up before. And woo, doggy, I was not prepared for what he did. It was shocking. And I get that, you know, there's a long history of shocking comedians and you do it to to get people talking, whatever. But he unloaded on white women. He called them my bitches. He unloaded on the gays. Uh, he said for people who have never been enslaved, how dare they uh, have That's a whole month. Right, for pride. For pride. I, I thought that bit was funny when he was like, you know, the gays get the month of June and they can run around and uh, black people only get February, which only but has that's a hacky joke. That people have been doing that joke. But you know, why why you gotta get why you gotta give us February? That's like the joke that has been okay. going on for it wasn't fresh, it wasn't new. I didn't think anything he did. There was um uh, the Rick Moranis. He came for Rick Moranis, beloved icon Rick Moranis, and said, Thank you know, he got hit. New York is back. <laughs> yeah, New York. Let's hit people on the street again. 
And I was the whole thing was very shocking. And um, the, Saturday Night Live for the first time, I think in their history, they have a, a laugh track because the audience, there's so many few people in the audience. So we weren't really able to gauge what the reaction was in the audience. Cause I think there was probably what? Yeah. I saw it and I have mixed feelings because by the letter, he was rude. It reminded me of Andrew Dice Clay or uh, homophobic Eddie Murphy, which never ages well, right? All those people, kind you can look at it historically because we're old buddy daddies. They all grow out of it. They all kind of warm their way out of, of those jokes. But here's a guy who sees the void. Political correctness and cancel culture is, which is the new cancel, you know, cancel culture is the new political correctness. And it feels like it needs some being made fun of. But I must say, like a Dave Chappelle or someone like that, they're definitely smarter. This guy is not. Uh, and, you know, he was he was going for the lowest common denominator is what he was going for. And he might have gotten it with them. Um, there was also uh, uh, the cold opening. I just wanted to talk about real quick because um, Maya Rudolph just kills it every single time. You wish she was back on the show forever as Kamala Harris. So good. Uh, uh, and. Um, I think that Beck Bennett is really cute as um, Mike Pence. I think he really does a good job. I don't like Jim Carrey doing uh, Joe Biden. I don't think it works. I, I think it's a miscalculation. They were just going for a big name, but he doesn't. What did you guys think about that? I'm just trying to think of who I'd replace him with. Is they have a guy doing it right now. What's that? He was doing it all last year, and he was doing a Jason Sudeikis, I think, was doing it. Right. And he was doing a really good job. And I think they just tried to trade up and it didn't really work for me. Okay. This was the fly skit, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Because I was thinking, oh, maybe that was the week before. I thought it was good. I thought. Yeah. I think it was good because because back in Maya were good. Right. There's just a little bit of him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. New episodes of SNL, Saturday nights, 1130. Um, that's number nine. Number eight. Number eight. I was just saying, you know, we current mood. I want to talk about current mood. Acedia. It's a new word, acedia. Actually, it's not a new word. It's an old word. What it was an, I have never heard of this. Okay. There's an article on theconversation.com. We'll post the link on the WOW report. Jonathan Zecker, who's a research fellow at the Australian Catholic University, he was talking about Acedia, which is a malady that apparently plagued many medieval monks, and they were locked up in their cells in isolation. Um, John Cassian, a monk uh, in the early 5th century, he wrote about this emotion, horrified where he is, disgusted with his room. It does not allow him to stay still in his cell or to devote any effort to reading. He feels such bodily listlessness and yawning hunger as though he were worn by a long journey or a prolonged feast. Next, he glances about and sighs that no one is coming to see him. Constantly in and out of his cell, he looks at the sun as if it were too slow in setting. That's acedia. And this listlessness, this dis-ease is back, and it's very much a coronavirus. Uh, coronavirus. What's going on? Do you have a CDA? Is that what you're trying to do? I, 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 I think this the Corona Coaster right is a CDA. And and he goes on to explain that he says, you know, 
our sense of why things matter today is built on the presumption that they will continue to matter in the future, even when we ourselves no longer are around to value them. And that moving around is what we do as creatures, and we, we need horizons. And if you erase that, we end up sort of mm, landlocked. You know, it's not that we fear change, but it's the idea that if you can't trust in the future, things become irrelevant and just sort of retrospectively pointless. <laughs> I somewhere that, you know, it's bad enough that I have depression, that there's now seasonal depression, there's COVID depression, and now there's a little acedia you can sort of now acedia. Yes, because the monks, okay, in the, in back, back in the day, they had to sit in their cells and, and conquer gluttony, fornication, avarice, sadness, anger, vainglory, and pride. And then the ultimate challenge they had to overcome was acedia. And it's, you know, this listlessness, undirected anxiety, and an inability to concentrate. I mean, come on. Like, doesn't that sound like, doesn't that fit the blahs that we're feeling? Gluttony every day. Every day. <laughs> but I haven't left. I really don't leave my house at all anymore. I was just telling Blake, I mean, I haven't left my bed in three days uh, which is probably why I have a bad back. <laughs> but that's why you have, James, that's you have listlessness and yeah. undirected anxiety and the inability to concentrate. It's true. It's true. I, I'm ready to leave right now. I'm ready to walk away. So, but the good news is, like, it's not all doom and gloom. The good news is that what you do is you say, I'm feeling acedia. And naming and expressing experiences allows us to claim some agency in dealing with them. Acedia sounds like one of those commercials for like um, acedia, like something yeah. like some sort of medicine. Like, yeah, it sounds like, like something you take for heartburn. But acedia, yeah, yeah. I, I, um, I, I, I do want to brag, but I'm getting a four wheel Kia acedia in a couple of months. I'm going to get it all tricked out. All right. Okay. Well, that's enough of acedia. Um, Frida got a gun, a documentary with Big Bounce legend, Big Frida. Uh, about the epidemic of U.S. gun violence, another cheery subject, is now streaming on Peacock. Excellent. Yes, indeed. Blake, do you have a question? I do, of course. Who was the first entertainer in February 1995 to launch a website? Ooh. You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. We'll have the answer for you right after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. Um, I'm Fenton here with James St. James and Tom Campbell and Blake, of course, who had a very intriguing question. Who was the first entertainer to launch a website in February 1995? That was how many years ago? 25 years ago. Gosh, I mean, you would think it would be someone nerdy like Will Wheaton or somebody, um, but he was probably too young at the time, or somebody who was like on the cusp all the time, like Madonna, but probably not Madonna. Who who do you guys think? I'm going to say Jeff Goldblum. I think I know. Who? And it leads into our next uh, number. I believe it's Rodney Dangerfield. That's right. Oh, my God. (laughs) Brilliant. All right, well, let's carry on with the countdown. Number seven, Tom. Number seven. I, you know, fall into wormholes. We all do. We are watching things. I, something, a Rodney Dangerfield video popped up on my feed, and he appeared something like 38 times on The Tonight Show, 
And because he has had his website since 1995, he has a YouTube page. He has all this content. And I watched, I feel like, hours of Rodney Dangerfield material. And if you remember, you know, here's the, I get no respect, no respect at all. I clipped onto, I didn't watch because I had to pay for it. I'm too cheap. But I watched clips from Caddyshack, which really propelled him into even bigger fame, where he was this obnoxious nouveau riche guy who breaks into the country club and upsets, you know, stickler Ted Knight. I couldn't help but think, you know, Rodney Dangerfield had a dark suit, red tie uniform. And he's, Trump. So, he's so expressive. And he reminded me of Trump. Everything goes through the Trump thing now. And I, and Ted Knight reminded me of Mike Pence um, but uh, in, in, in Caddyshack. But I, I it, it's, it doesn't really connect. It's just the, my psychosis at the moment. But it's like, it's like the Donald Trump that we used to kind of know and like way back when he was just a clown he was Rodney Dangerfield. He got no respect. You know, it's like Rodney Dangerfield. And now Rodney Dangerfield is the president of the United States, but he's turned evil. We have evil Rodney Dangerfield. But I don't, are you, do you remember Rodney Dangerfield with any fondness, James? Um, no, I never liked him. He always irritated me. Um, he was one of those people that I would, uh, I had a hate list. I remember people, celebrities that I hate. And he was, I had about a hundred people and he was at the top. Can I just say, I, James, exactly, same thing. I, I just thought this guy isn't funny. But then, Tom, I watched that that link. I watched the, him on The Tonight Show. Fuck me, he was funny. It was brilliant and funny, and I sort of loved it. And I thought, I don't remember liking Rodney Dangerfield, but I was, I could not stop watching. I wonder if it's the older we get, the more we appreciate those Borscht Belt dad jokes. I have something as a gay millennial little boy, one of the best films that introduced me to Jack A. Harry, it introduced me to Jonathan Brandis was in it. Was the movie called Ladybugs? Ladybugs is the movie. It is the the best movie of all time. What was the movie where he went back to high school and he was like in his 60s? What was that? Old school. Old school, yes. Uh Uh-huh. I remember that one. This is, he would do his stand-up. It was, it was, he had different jokes and he'd repeat them. It was a different time. He'd be like, I'm okay now, but all right, earlier today, it was terrible. I just have to read some of his jokes. Please give me the cutoff sign. When I was born, the doctor came out to the waiting room and said to my father, I'm very sorry, we did everything we could, but he pulled through. My mother had morning sickness after I was born. My mother, she never breastfed me. She told me that she only wanted to be friends. I remember when I was kidnapped, the time when I was kidnapped, and they sent back a piece of my, the finger to my father. He said, we wanted more proof. Um, my old man wanted sex. My mother would show a picture of me. Um, my uncle's dying wish was to have me sitting on his lap. He was in the electric chair. Uh, my wife wants me to, wants to talk to me. Just another thing, she called me from a hotel. Um, <laughs> uh, just a little uh, tidbit. It's called back to school, not old school. Oh. Snap. Who was the one with Will Ferrell? Yeah. Okay. I went to see my doctor, the last one, Dr. Vinny Boomba. Yeah, I told him once, doctor, every morning when I get up, I look in the mirror, I feel like throwing up. What's wrong with me? He said, I don't know, but your eyesight's perfect. No respect. <laughs> no respect at all. James, this might be the thing that cures you, that gets you out of bed every day. Rodney Dangerfield. He is, yeah, he's a. I'd rather that, frankly. <laughs> James, he will cure your acedia. I think you should watch Ladybugs. I think you would really love it. 
Don't get no respect, no respect at all. <laughs> all right, we're going to move on. Uh, number six. Number six. I watched, uh, I revisited a bunch of classic horror films over the weekend. I uh, AMC was doing a, a, a binge uh, a marathon of a bunch of them, and TCM was doing a bunch too. Uh, first of all, uh, Exorcist, which I, I remember. How did it hold up? Well, The Exorcist, I remember it was the scariest movie of all time. And remember, people were being taken out in stretchers and people were having heart attacks and throwing up in the theater, which I'm wondering now, is that just like a Roger Corman thing that they did? It was a marketing strategy to get people to go because it, the first three fourths are so boring. Oh my God, nothing happens. You're in a desert with a tracking shot for like, 20 minutes and like you're like what is going what is this there's like there's conversations with these priests that go nowhere it isn't until the very end when of course we're in the room with with linda and she's puking up the 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 pea soup and everything and i watched the amc version so it was heavily edited there was no your mother sucks cocks to hell it actually went by in like five minutes because they couldn't do any of the swearing so it, it didn't really hold up at all for me i didn't understand it at all um the shining however really does hold up and i don't know whether it's because kubrick is such a master and at everything every shot is so beautifully constructed and the music is fantastic and shelly duvall is just at her most shelly duvall she's so fantastic jack is sort of bordering on uh you know um uh, he's kind of doing self-parody a little bit uh, he he went into more self-parody after this movie, I think. But it works, doesn't it? Because it's just on that edge of, like, jumping the shark. It's just on that sort of Tom Cruise edge. But well, it, it plays wonder, into the creepiness. It's just so... I, I wonder if, if the camp element of it is what fools, lulls you into a false sense of this is funny and, and jokey, and then all of a sudden you get hit walloped with the, with the actual terror. And... It does. I, you know, he changed the ending of the book, and it's the, where they go into the maze, and there's no maze in the book, and that whole thing was just so uh, Kubrick could have his tracking shot. You know, I mean, like he loves those tracking shots. So that one, it does hold up. Um, Night of the Living Dead. It's really genuinely scary, and not a lot of zombie movies afterwards, except for Twenty Eight Days and a few others, are legitimately scary because there's really nothing scary about zombies because that you can outrun them at any given point, except for the point where there are a thousand of them on top of you, and that's where the the horror comes in because they're relentless. They don't stop. Nothing will ever stop them, and you can run and run and run, but eventually you're going to get exhausted, and you're gonna. It, it's so. George George R. R. Romero, the music in that, it's terrifying. It's one of the best horror film soundtracks I've ever heard. It is really legitimately great. And um, it's it's if you've never seen that one, if you've only ever seen the other ones, go back and watch it because it was the one that started everything. Wow. Three movies. In I wanted to do Halloween. I started to do Halloween, but that one still scares me too much. I can't. I couldn't revisit it. I could not do it. You can't watch it alone. No, no, I can't. All right, so you can revisit classic horror on where, where do you watch them on? Um, um, it was AMC and Turner Classic Movies, but I'm sure they're streaming in most places. All right. Well, number five. Number five. Actually, James, this is a movie you must must see, especially in light of what you've just been watching. Yeah. It's uh, it's a young adult movie. It's called Spontaneous. Yeah. It is based on a book, 2016 book by Aaron Starmer. And it's called Spontaneous because 
it's a high school movie. It's a young adult movie. But the twist is that every now and then kids just blow up. They just spontaneously combust for no apparent discernible reason whatsoever. And it's sort of brilliant because it, it conjures up high school shootings. It also conjures up plague. It conjures up zombie. It's the the sort of and the, the the tone of the movie is sort of sardonic and funny and dark humor because there's this romance going on between Mara, who's played by Catherine Langford, and Dylan, who is played by Charlie Plummer. Charlie Plummer, you know, Christopher Plummer. Charlie Plummer. No, actually, funny enough, here's the interesting little detail: is that Charlie Plummer played. He played, um, uh, who was the, the kid, the, the billionaire's son who was kidnapped and his ear was cut off? Getty. Oh, Rockefeller. The Getty, Getty, yeah. Getty, Getty. So in the movie, All the Money in the World, that Ridley Scott directed, remember the one that Kevin Spacey was in? And he got, and Christopher Plummer came in to replace Kevin Spacey after it was all shot. Yeah, they yeah. shot it. His grandson who is kidnapped is played by Charlie Plummer. So that's Christopher Plummer and Charlie Plummer. No relation. They are no relation. But in the movie, they play grandfather and grandson. Well, so Charlie Plummer's now grown up into a hot teenage young man of age, James. And he is having his first romance in this high school drama where kids just randomly blow up in the classroom. It's, it's, I, I really want to watch it again because I felt it was a really... Um, who, the, who told this? Who is the director? Who is the writer? Who is the, director is, the writer-director is Brian Duffield, who's best known for his, screen, his first time directing and his screenplays um, Underwater, The Babysitter, and Jane Got a Gun. I uh, love The Babysitter. Yeah. and oh, um, one of the Duffy brothers? No, he's not a Duffy brother. Okay. No. no. What, um, what do you wear to school when the person next to you might combust. Well, it doesn't really matter. You just get completely covered in blood. Just right. like, I mean, they sort of ruin my best options and vaporize. So whatever you're wearing, you're just going to get coated in red paint. Um, uh-huh. Oh, I got it. left us. What's happening? Good TV and radio by just walking. He has a yellow slicker cape. <laughs> yeah. Answering my question, what do you uh, when the person next to you is bound to, is to combust? <laughs> Very I must say, acres of red would look gorgeous on that bright yellow, <laughs> yellow coat. Very stylish. Um, yeah, so check it out. So Spontaneous is available to rent and buy on Prime Video, iTunes Store, Voodoo, Google Play, etc., etc. All right. Just announced, we're going to take a break, but just announced is Bring Back My Ghouls. Um, that is, a, this is a Drag Race Season 12 Halloween special that is going to air on Wow Presents on YouTube. It's October the 30th hey. <laughs> at 10 a.m. Uh, it's going to be a virtual fundraiser. So you can watch and you can tip your favorite queens and uh, the queens will get all the money will be divided equally among it's them. A great idea. The, uh, you know, after a season of Drag Race, they tour the world normally. They do all these gigs. The season 12 cast, which is one of the most loved casts of all time, have had it hard. So this is, a spe- this is a chance for them to come together, make something virtually, and please the fans, and also the fans a chance to sort of give back to them. I think it's just a great idea. It's fantastic. The event is sponsored by Tamey and will feature a partnership with Crooked Media's 
vote save America. And Tammy is that uh, LGBTQ dating app, is that correct? That is right. It's the whole new dating app. Tammy. I hear about these things, I don't participate. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna take a break and we're, we're gonna have one more trivia question from Blake. Yes, guys, the original jack-o'-lanterns were not made of pumpkins. What were they made of instead? What vegetables? What vegetable was a jack-o'-lantern made of? Out of, right? Originally by the Irish people. Well, we'll find out when we come back after this break. (laughs) You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And we're back to the Wow Report. Welcome back. Blake, you asked a fascinating question. What was it? Yes, I did. The original jack-o'-lanterns made by the Irish were not made of pumpkins. What other vegetables were they made of? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and say lentils. They were carved into lentils. Yeah. I'm Irish. Because everything Irish is either potatoes or ale or ale made for potatoes. So I'm going to say potatoes. Yeah, you gave it away with the Irish thing. I think it's potatoes. No question. It's actually turnips and potatoes. Oh, what? how dare you. <laughs> And lentils. Oh. I, my family always carved on lentils when I was a child. All right, Tom, number four. Number four. I wish I could veer off into something more pop culture but I'm right back to politics, but in the most pop culture way. Now, a few months ago, Chasen Buttigieg, Mayor Pete's husband, uh, went on record saying he was a RuPaul's Drag Race fan. And as one of the producers of RuPaul's Drag Race, that brought me great joy. And everyone was saying that Mayor Pete was, you know, he's, he didn't diss it, but but what we have learned over the past week or two is that Mayor Pete can read the house down, read them to filth. He is a, he's got a, a tongue on him, doesn't he? He's so good. I, I first, you know, I big surprise, I voted for Biden in the primary. Poot, Pete, Pete, Poot, Mayor Pete was kind of my first choice. I just thought for the historic reasons, but I also think he makes sense. And, um, you know, since the Biden, you know, Harris ticket has been going, he's been posting these very concise, one sentence long, clear as can be statements about the election, just to clarify. Now he's become like the Democratic spokesperson on Fox, which is usually the most awful position to have because they just have you on as a punching bag. And time after time, you can look them up. He cuts through the bullshit of their question, the, uh, you know, the reason why. He, they, they were asking a question about Kamala Harris's, you know, a universal health care versus Joe's and how they don't see eye to eye and trying to cause controversy. He goes, you know, it's an age-old parlor game where you try to find some daylight between the candidates. But let me tell you, he said, that's not what we're doing here. And he, he reframes the, the thing and leaves them speechless. And not because he's being super shady, he's being super smart. Um, and well, there's a little shade in there. Let's let's be real. He there is, is, there is but and he's doing it in a way that they can't respond because it's gone over their heads so quickly. But he's right. he's get he's digging the knife in. He's doing real yeah. fantastic work. You're right. I don't mean to, but and shade and reading as being something that's clever. That is a use of, a clever use of the English language that relies on you know tropes. So you did a brilliant job. And then during this hearing, 
you know, what's her face? The crazy Catholic lady. And I'm talking super crazy. I mean, I want to learn her name. She, um, you know, let it slip. I don't think that, um, you know, that being gay was a sexual preference versus a sexual orientation, which is a big deal. And I'll just leave with this. Pete wrote right after that, my preference is that the winner of this presidential election should choose the next justice. Read, burn, burn. James, I see you're very impressed. Thanks for your, your listening. No, 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 no. Um, I, I am. I think he's absolutely fantastic. I love Chasen actually is um, very funny on uh, Twitter as well. He's somebody that I follow, and he's he's got he's got a real point of view. Um, they're both. I think they're fantastic, and I think there is a big future for for Pete. I think mm-hmm. he's. Um, it wasn't right this time, and people were. It, we were in the middle of like attacking everybody, but he really is somebody who I think is going to continue to really shape policy. And um, hopefully in 10 years, five years, he will, will, or eight years, we'll get another chance and he'll be it. My dream ticket would be him and AOC. I don't care which one is which, just like, because they're they're both so phenomenally clear and concise and they land everything. She still has, what, she has six more years to go before she can, she's still too young. Oh my goodness! You're right, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So she, so I give her. I, I think we're going to go through probably um, Ivanka and Jared, uh, and then we'll then we'll switch around and go. Uh, no, no, that can't happen. That cannot happen. Let's move on. Uh, number three, James. Number three. Number three. What is my number three? What was I doing? Um, oh yeah, there were some photos that were leaked from the Batman set. And I wanted to talk about it because um, it, you know, it's, um, I loved the, the Christopher Nolan Batman with, with, uh, um, with um, Christian Bale. I thought those were all fantastic. I've, you know, some of them work, some of them don't work. Michael Keaton should never have worked, but he did. Um, uh, George Clooney should have worked, but he didn't. Um, and right, just recently, Ben Affleck was horrible. He really brought down the entire DC universe. He was just terrible. It, it was embarrassing to watch. And he should have been good. There's Ben Affleck in his prime would have been a fantastic Batman, but he's sort of he he just isn't doing it. Well, this is Robert Pattinson as the Batman, and Robert has just come out of COVID and just come out of um uh they had to shut down the entire set because he had covid he was uh, in quarantine for 14 days now he's back on set and he looks like the wrath of god he looks like he has been hung out wet and you know hung out whatever whatever the expression is he looks like a a wet rat he looks terrible he looks like he shouldn't be on set he looks like he needs to be home with a hot toddy and uh a, a binge watching um whatever, you know, binge watching Rodney Dangerfield movies because he does, he looks terrible. Um, Also, the weird thing is they have Colin Farrell as the Penguin. And you think that might be an interesting take. You know, that might be interesting. Colin Farrell, handsome, handsome man. Right. A tall Penguin. A tall Penguin. But what they've done is they've covered him in so much prosthetics that he's unrecognizable. And he looks a bit like 
Robert De Niro doing one of his mafioso characters. He looks like in, in that case, why wouldn't you just get Robert De Niro? He is unrecognizable. Why would you hire a handsome actor and then cover the handsome? I never understand that at all. And I understand that actors like to act and they think that they're doing, you know, this is acting and they like to lose themselves in a role. But I don't agree with it. I don't, you know, it I remember when Ryan Reynolds was Green Lantern and we were all excited to have him in a spandex bodysuit yeah. and they CGI'd it. Like, why? You have Robert Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds. Why would you not show the bulge? Why would you not show the butt? Why would you CGI it? Why would you cover Colin Farrell in uh, money, I suppose? I guess they didn't pay enough to get the bulge. Um, but, uh, and there's also um, a Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman, which might be interesting. Um, so I'm not excited about this. I don't know if they can pull it off. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm a little worried about the upcoming The Batman. It sounds like when your expectations have been low in the past, you've been pleased. So I'm hoping. There you go. They, they might be doing this on purpose. They might know that I'm watching and say, <laughs> let's just, let's fuck with James. <laughs> All right. That's Batman uh, coming soon. The Batman. Not Batman. The Batman. Okay. The Batman. It's All in right. a whole new universe. It is in the same universe as the Joker. Number two. Number two. I saw a documentary about Trump. Again. Uh, Unfit. It's called Unfit. And, um, you know, there's plenty of books about Trump, and I've read far too many of them, but there's actually very few documentaries about him. In fact, there's, there's one about his golf clubs called uh, Trumped, you've been Trumped. And I think there's like one other thing that's an episode in a series about dark money that just hasn't been a lot about Trump. Um, this brilliantly. Is that because goes, people are afraid of him, you think? I don't know. Maybe, maybe. maybe they know that it's not going to appeal to a red state audience. I find whenever we have had anything that had Trump content in it and we have talked to buyers who are all owned by corporations, they're yeah. like, why don't you step back from that? Right. Yeah. Certainly with TV, a lot of the networks, a lot of their viewers are Trump supporters, so they don't want to touch it, which is a bit of a shame. Anyway, this documentary interviews a number of psychologists and it's about Trump's mental health. It begins, it begins with a very powerful moment, which in the avalanche of scandals and lies that we could have forgotten about, I think, which is remember he lied about the size of his inaugural crowd. And there's this great moment when Sean Spicer goes to the press conference before they even have the first press conference. He goes up in a press room, Sean Spicer, and berates the press for negatively reporting on the inauguration and, and saying that they were suggesting that, you know, the size, the size of the crowd wasn't. And then there was a great thing on Meet the Press with um, Chuck Todd and Kellyanne Conway which is when she used, first used, that he was presenting alternative, alternative facts. facts. And Chuck Todd brilliantly said, alternative facts are not facts, they are falsehoods. And the only reason I'm telling the story is it just reminded me how encapsulated everything has been since the beginning of this presidency. Nothing really new has happened, except now we've reached a point where he is clearly out of his mind high on steroids, acting like a madman. And the documentary is really good. It's really interesting. I, 
I must say, I didn't really understand about the Goldwater rule, which was that in 1964, over a thousand psychiatrists took out a full page ad saying that Barry Goldwater was unfit to be president and that that was seen as very damaging to his campaign. And so as a result of that, the American Psychiatrist Association, Psychiatric Association, said it was unethical for psychiatrists to give professional opinions about public figures who they've not examined in person or gotten their permission to talk about their mental health, which I think has had a, a chilling effect on people speaking about, out about Trump's, you know, about professionals and experts speaking out about Trump's mental illness, which is so... Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, that only works for the Democrats who are following that rule. They aren't doing it, whereas the Republicans are the ones slamming Joe Biden, saying he has dementia, and they aren't playing by the rules. The Republicans don't play by the damn rules. I, Absolutely. And then something else I learned, the Tarasov rule. Do you know what the Tarasov rule is? That is the rule whereby if uh, if a psychiatrist patient presents a serious danger of violence to another, the psychiatrist must use reasonable care to protect the intended victim. So you could, you know, you could argue that they have reason to speak out about Trump's mental illness because Trump threatens violent physical harm to visit it on all of us. Anyway, 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 I'll get to the point. There's a great moment in the film where John Gartner, who's an author and psychologist, speaks about Jane Goodall and the chimpanzees and saying, to me, it's like this. And he t- reminds me, the Jane Goodall film, which is great, which we talked about here before, you know, she, she supposedly went off to Africa and spent time with all the apes and the chimps. There was a point in that film where there's, two, there's a group and that there's, a, there's a fractious leader and what happens is they break into two tribes, the two troops, and they go off and separate. And you think, oh, that's, that's OK. But then the charismatic leader of one troop leads the other people back to the other troop and they start murdering people. So what he's, his point is. Wait, are we talking chimps or are we talking people? We're talking chimps. But his point is that what Trump is, is it's a study in the psychology of power and it's very primitively programmed into us over for, for the entire history of evolution. But so that Trump is not merely an anomaly of the moment. He is a deep seated iteration and that he sees in this, not just Trump's rise, but the rise of other uh, autocrats and fascists. And that they're sort of in there, almost this sort of, um, predisposition to make war and it was it was very good i really recommend it where is it where can you find it unfit is available on demand so you can go to unfit.com to find out where you can watch it but it's like on amazon prime and all the usual streaming stuff and funnily enough it's directed by dan partland who made a series at world of wonder about sex remember what the series was called but um that's dan partland he's done a great job with this film so well I think maybe we should take a break. Uh, We'll be back after the break and reveal the number one thing that made us go wow this week. Wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James. We've reached a orgasmic climactic moment where we reveal the number one thing that made us go wow this week. What was it? I have no idea. Number one. I I saw that Fenton already went wow this week. 
I have yet to wow, and I want to know the status of James and, and Blake's wow. And by wow, I mean vote. This is the time to vote. We've been kvetching and complaining. I thought you were talking about my STD status. No, I will talk. That's next week, the whole special. Um, I, I just want to know, have you voted? I'm not asking who you voted for, but just the, the actual physical voting. Have you done it? Are, are, okay, talk to me, James. I have it right here, and I'm uh, I'm torn. I don't know whether I want to do it and, and risk putting – you've heard what's going on in California where the Republicans have set up those false uh, voting uh, ballot boxes, and they've come out and admitted they've done it. That it's, it's, I think there's going to be scandal upon scandal upon scandal in the next few weeks, just from every side. I'm a little nervous. And I also enjoy the process of going to the voting booth and po- poking the little paper. I enjoy that. It's always, it makes me feel good about myself. So I think I might do it. I, my neighborhood has always been, um, there's not a lot of people in it. So it's not, I don't think there's going to be lines, a lot, you know, five hour, 10 hour lines. Um, so I think Isn't I might. Amazing what was going on in Georgia this week where early voting started. People were waiting three, four, five, yeah. six hours. And the people were, people are very careful on social media to say that isn't that shouldn't be like wow people are enthusiastic to vote how great but this is voter suppression and there was um, some people in Georgia who I saw on Twitter were saying that they got there at five in the morning and it was now seven o'clock at night and they were still hadn't moved. I think you need to bring a golf chair. Fenton, I believe you've already voted. Tell, tell us the process. What did you choose to do? I did. I was so excited. And I um, I did something that might be a little unwise. I actually took a picture of my ballot. And apparently in some states, you're not allowed to take ballot selfies. No, that's illegal. You can't do that. Right. Um, but I put it, it on, online? I put it in a box. No, I put it in a box. Um, <laughs> I put it in a box. <laughs> did you post it on Instagram, though? Yes. You've got to delete it, Fenton. That's oh, a, it's right immoral. It's, it's against everything we stand for. It's the right. Right. I say who you voted for. Fenton, I'm not clear. So you've got your ballot in the mail, you voted, and you dropped it off where? Right, exactly. There is a um there is a that that there's you can enter in the the you can put your postcode in and up all the boxes that are legitimate pop up and the legitimate boxes look very legitimate they've got lots of graphics on and I posted a picture of that online and that's Is that that, near your house yeah no it's just around the corner from the office here it's like literally on Ivar Street um, you know near the um, oh, the uh, just opposite the the old person's house housing complex that's down there on Ivar oh, yeah. and Selma yeah. And just drop it in the box. Blake, what's your voting plan? Well, I have my ballot, and I haven't voted yet, but I will soon, and I will be turning mine in before the election. But to an official ballot box. And I heard that there was some, like, app where it tells you that they have your ballot and it's counted for. I saw that on Facebook, so I'm going to check into that. There is indeed just such an app, and I signed up for it. Um, what is it called? Well, don't trust Facebook. Facebook is in the, is in bed with for Trump, so don't no, ever trust anything they say. Zuckerberg is all in for Trump. They're they're trying to fool you. We're trying to calm people down and get them to have a plan to vote here, James. Well, I'm just still. Up, I think the founding fathers are spinning in their grave over Fenton. I just think that's what they're saying. Like that's why we shouldn't have immigrants in this country because they screw everything up. They're doing everything illegal. Get back to your own country. 
Oh, we're seeing that James is back. It's feeling better. Um, I have to vote as uh, Blake. I have my ballot. I have to vote. I always need a cheat sheet. Did you use the LA Times, the Democratic Party? Because the the uh, propositions and things. I always need to do a little bit of research. I, I did a little cheat sheet. Yeah, I went. Where is that proposition? Is it twenty three? Which I it just blows my mind. Where they say that. Um, uh, bail for people in jail shouldn't have to do with how much money you have. It should be on the severity of the crime. And I had never in my life thought of that, but it makes such sense that rich people should not automatically get out of prison and poor people should stay in for two or three years before their trial comes up. And so I, whatever proposition that is, I'm all for it. There's also a proposition where you basically they're asking us to restore the voting rights of people who've been in prison and who've served their sentence. They've paid their time. They've paid their dues and that their voting rights should be restored. So that was a yes for me. So I will just say to first time voters, because there may be some listening, it takes a minute. Like, get up, you know, you can go online. You can look what the L.A. Times says. You can get a bunch of different sources or or wherever you are to find out recommendations so you can make an informed vote and propositions in in california anyway are often very uh poorly worded be very tricky so sometimes to do the right thing you have to say no and etc and the only other thing i want to say is if you're a republican and every ounce of your tradition and your family says to vote for trump when you're in that booth or quietly with your ballot you don't have to vote for him this time. Shut and up. nobody will know unless you take a picture of it and post it online. Just this time. Just this time. You can go back to being Republican forever after this one. This election is not about Biden versus Trump. It's about democracy versus fascism. I I think when it's I think when it's President Ivana, Ivanka, I think we'll be we'll be going through this again. There is no way in how. Let's hope, like the Batman franchises, James is wrong about this one, too. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, James. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Blake. This is all, all we have time for today, for this week. But same time, same place next week. In the meantime, put on your mask, go out, vote, and do something that makes the world go. Oh, I just got, hold on. I just got sent um, a silence equals death mask. Look, wait. That's a beep.